Do we have any other listener uh, suggestions yet? Clark's given me two in person. And okay. Each time I've said, send it, because I won't remember, but I did remember one. One was um, season seven of The Simpsons, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is helpful. Mm. Maybe one for the rapid fire rounds. Yes, yes. Which you know we uh, I think um, it's becoming uh, more and more a good premise. Um, is there something we could again in the same way that we obnoxiously spun out from tattoos? Like, uh, um, you know, we. I mean, is it time to do stories as an episode? Oh. You know, I like to just dive in on things. Yeah, you do, and yeah. it's, it's great. Yep, strongest idea. Why not? Yep. I, I've like an instinct for saving special things mm-hmm. and then never using them. The um, great thing about. Uh, yeah, stories is, is about talking about stories. Is we'll, we'll mostly be talking about season seven of The Simpsons anyway. <laughs> it's, the, it's the true battleground of that entire premise. Okay, great. Let's get into it. Awesome. Pinging through the ether like a giant emotion. There's lotion, there's lotion. There's sometimes commotion, sometimes locomotion. Rank ideas. Take it to the bank, ideas. Um, so yeah, yeah, because I want to do it because you know this is our. F- I think this is our first morning recording, and uh, weirdly, it feels as I'm still kind of shaking myself awake. It feels like like it would be more energy to think through other topics to do than it is to just jump into a topic. The hardest th- one. The hardest one. It, well, and let's let's frame. Why do we think this is the hardest one, particularly for Chris and I? Um, I don't know. In my from my end, um, I spend a lot of time. Uh, you know, like I work in uh, in fiction writing across various um, metrics, you know, the th- uh, theatre and little film stuff. And um, even my approach to songwriting, maybe distinct to Chris's, is very much kind of short story-ish, kind of lyric-heavy, narrative-y type stuff. So. I think it's fair to say, listeners, that Nick has a, a didactic m- mastery of um, the storytelling craft and the, the theories that fit into it and the ideas that come from it and and I, I don't I, I really don't have the, the words to express what it is exactly but um, I'd, I've never seen anyone else trade in a, an understanding of narratives in the, the way that you do and, and the way that they're used socially um, so I think it's going to be an interesting one because I don't I'm I don't have that at all it's um it's funny uh, it's because of that fact like I, I think maybe, uh, all that that's going to have amounted to, if it's true, like if it's true that I've gotten any level of acuity around the idea of what stories are and how they're used, um, it's only going to result in me fighting to have it at a lower position than what a lot of other people would have. But that's why it's going to be fun to dive right in. So, so Chris, um, working boundaries and working definition of what a story is. Uh, I think we need to get to a point where we can conceive of where, where stories don't exist, like, mm. you know, either in human history or in other... So other species don't seem to have stories. Mm. Um, and we didn't, presumably, as well, based on the sort of artefacts and things like that that we made and the social structures that we were able to hold. But then at some point we did... I don't know, when's, when's that view? So it's like the consci- consciousness and things like that must be connected and what's that, like seventy to 100,000 years ago, something like that. Um we start telling stories as a so stories are what are they? Um, I love that I'm making you do this and you're not questioning it in any way. 
Yeah, that's your story. Internally, I'm like, <laughs> how dare you throw me <laughs> under the, the story bus? Um, yeah, I, I don't think I can do it well. I, I'm, I, I feel like it's a, a way of transmitting information in a way that is hook, hooky and repeatable, and um, but it, it's not it's not necessarily true in it or anything like that. It's it's just a, a collection of yeah. What is there a distinction between it? It's a collection of uh, transferable information. That's all I can really think of. I, wor- I relate it weirdly in terms of other things that are on our list. I think of it, you know, you talk about something like authority. Uh, when we've been discussing that, you have the idea of um, having something that can be ves- ex- ex- abstracted from its origin point and then invested uh, into human beings without them having to be uh, engaging with the primary source. So... Um, it's almost, I mean, to me, the, the, the fundamental, uh, version of what stories are that to me expresses the most about them is just the, uh, is just the game of, uh, telephone or whatever you call it in your specific culture. Mm-hmm. I grew, I grew up in a place where it had a fairly racist name, but that idea that you, um, you get a line of people and each one whispers something in the other person's ear and the idea is that you whisper the same thing into somebody else's ear and, um, by the end you see if it's the same sentence once it's been, um, pass through uh, a group of people. Um, that to me, um, that idea of uh, starting with um, uh, starting with a, an idea, and really, you know, stories are just turning ideas, using uh, transmitting ideas using some kind of narrative structure. And narrative is just um, any structure that allows people to. Um, for, you know, uh, form like connect ideas to uh, characters and to character narratives that they um, either re- that they relate to themselves or don't relate to, and that they um, uh, used to either to either strengthen their sense of their own intuitions or um, build new intuitions. And this is my thing. Like, really, um, if we were given the um, idea of intuition to rank, I think we'd be arguing back and forth about whether or not that's an idea or whether that's just a language frame for a thing that just that that for features of the human brain. But I think um, the one thing that I think people think about when they think of the word intuition is just the idea of uh, oh yeah, intuitions are just uh, that they're just things that we have. But no, they're things that get built and trained and conditioned. And stories are one of the ma- one of the main ways that that's done. We seemingly have some sort of like, you know, the way all of our language centers work, and and I guess our, our frontal lobe, like you, the stories are, are common across culture, and mm. they're they're, um, I think even people who are born outside of any human society would still um, have have the, have to have the capacity to engage with the world through stories. Like we're we're constantly forming connections between um information and to the point where like you can see it where it is dysfunctional for some people where they they're unable to um see fields of information without creating stories or they're unable to create stories from it and they don't sort of fit in our society mm-hmm. and i i think about myself you know it's easy to in myself like you give me any um information in front of my face or anything that I hear about or read about and I'm narrativizing it straight away like mm-hmm. compulsively um, as a trained response um, the cool thing um, about that is that if obviously functionality wise is that if if we d- didn't have stories then I would I would be 
helpless to draw conclusions or build intuitions about the world through anything other than just all of the things that are literally happening in front of my face. Mm-hmm. Some of which you could argue have become, you know, I, tur- I could turn those into stories as well. Um, as in if I see... Can you give an example? So if I see um, one... Uh, if, if I... S- see an older person if I see adults interacting with children I'm a child and I see adults interacting with children a certain way um with with cruelty um for example uh 10 20 30 times in a row then my story of um adult behavior of towards children is going to be a story of cruelty and then if you present another adult to me I'm going to be um making assumptions about Mm -hmm. how they're going to react to me straight away so that's a version of storytelling that doesn't require that's, that's like the basic level of storytelling that maybe almost default happens. But then there's also the potential for the society around me to give me the sense of adults as being cruel to children without me ever having to meet an adult in person, mm-hmm. theoretically, through um, basically through cultural depictions. Um, so, you know, to broaden that out, I read Walt, Roald Dahl's The Witches as a young child, um, which is one of those great... Uh, children focused stories does exactly what kids are most into which is gives me a, gives me a, a set of rules and normified behaviors around the concept of witches like the whole first chapter of that book is just um, a child's grandmother explaining the rules of witches to him so that he can better survive encounters with them and um, that's it's almost the best type of storytelling to give kids because kids the first thing they want to do is um, uh, ex- is work out and then police boundaries and rules and norms and so um, I was able, I, I just have a strong memory of having, you know, such, such a strong calming grasp of the concept of witches and what I was going to mm. do if, if and when I, one. yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, uh, everything that's great about a story is in there in terms of the, its ability to give you, um, a structured sense of, uh, what the world around you is and, a um, like, you know, a, a values driven take on, or value of what, how to behave in it. Mm-hmm. Everything that's insidious about stories is in that as well, which is like, you it's know, not true. it's literally <laughs> not true. Yeah, yeah. Like there aren't witches and um, the insidious little, little stereotype. I mean, just the fact that uh, in that book, witches are women, like mm-hmm. one of the rules uh, yeah. of that is that witches are women. That's, and that's imprinting on me at a young age. Um, you know, that is a little, that is, that is a little example of just the sheer power and heft of what stories are. Um I, I think it's I think it's a like a good example for seeing the some of the bad elements of stories because you could you know you can think of how whole societies have stories about um, you know groups of people that mm. are completely untrue that lead to you know the sort of the worst horrors and and you can't sort of have that without those stories, um, but I don't think it's it really captures what's good about them, which is that you just can't communicate. Um, you can't hold on to a cultural weight of information across time without mm. without them. Exactly. Um, which is, you know, I, I think that it's the, the the entire virtue of any of the society that we have is because we've been able to, you know, build on top of each other and 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 we can't do that just from sort of injecting raw information like a computer could or something. And like this that. that's a great example. I feel like the thing that we've butted up against in the last few decades is the shortcomings of the utopian vision of, say, the early um, evangelists about the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this as someone who loves the internet. I think there was, like, one of the, one of the concepts that seems uh, clearly naive now is the idea of, oh, once humankind has access to yeah. unfettered information or the full storehouse of, it, of information, then there'll be a utopian outcome because... 
um, all, the, all that's holding people back from their best selves is just having the information put in front of them that's total and complete. Um, and obviously, A, that's separate to stories, there's a, a shortcoming of that, which is just our ability to um, absorb, pass and cross-reference, cross-reference information is limited. So um, we need some kind of human beings at this point, at least still need some kind of curating uh, force to um, shape and bring the information to us, or at least we feel like we do. And that's the problem in the f- sort of free market of the internet ideas that mm. curating force is, you know, whatever can best capitalize upon our um, ir- irrationalities. I had, a fr- and you know, this is, uh, there's a friend of mine who um, we share a lot of opinions and um, differ on a lot of opinions. He's a, he's a deep and original thinker and I love him. Um, he made a comment he made a passing comment to another person the other day within my earshot where he was talking about a specific arena of knowledge and how he was, you know, his statement of how hard it was going to be to rock his sense of where he was at on it because of just how much he's on the internet. Mm-hmm. As in, he's like, he's like, yeah. he's like, no one's on the internet. No one's in the, no one's in the chat rooms and discussion groups and article feeds around this stuff more than me. So, you know, cause you're not going to be basically in the idea of like, he's, he's, his that is proof that his knowledge is, at a high level around this stuff and his knowledge is at a high level around this stuff. That said that as a way to justify that you are to me was completely flawed. Cause I'm like, well, yeah. I could spend from now until the end of time reading things on the internet and still maybe not get to the good information. Mm. Um, depending like particularly if I allowed myself to be in a certain aspect in, in certain online communities or I've been in every beer hall in Munich. Everybody's <laughs> exactly. saying the same thing, <laughs> that kind of yeah. vibe. Um, but yeah, and there's and stories lay over the top of that a little bit in terms of um, once you know the stories you're exposed to youngest um, when you're the youngest um, implant values and conditioning into you, and then uh, you know, and this is just this this isn't just the boring reality of confirmation bias. It's something deeper. But you know, once you once you're older, then you have this thing called intuitions and the stories that you. Uh, play on them or even sometimes uh, gently disrupt them in a way that is super compelling but you know that's going to be less uh, those stories the stories that do that are going to resonate with you more than the ones that are coming from a place outside of your reference points so and that that's the thing that sucks is there can be awesome stories that uh, might have an might have a mostly edifying perspective that are just not going to land on certain people I think that there's um there's something in how stories are told and, and kept over time. Uh, and I don't just mean like, you know, the grand myths or like uh, just or nursery rhymes or anything, but that the way that social information is transmitted, that uh, eventually there has to be some um, some connection with, with some form of, of truth in the, the world for them to retain traction. And I think that that's, um, that's why when there are major... Um, you know, step shifts in scientific knowledge or things like that, that um, a lot of the s- stories that we've told ourselves across society start to dissolve. And, and, you know, as now we're getting, you know, say in the internet era, we're getting a lot of more, a lot more um, people are enabled to ex- express their voice in, a, in certain ways and, and exchanging information. And we realise, oh, you know, a, lo- a lot of people have this same experience and, and therefore there's, there are sort of step shifts in society and um, to, ad- to adjust to that, to, to cater to, so that, um, people whose stories have been historically suppressed um, can be exchanged and we have a better understanding of 
I mean, just just to pick a really a facile, this is first one came to my head, but something like marriage equality or mm. something like that. We're like, no, this is what marriage is. This is what it has to be. Actually, not everybody feels that way, and not everybody thinks like that. Oh, let's change it, and it's it's changed. Um, and I feel like there's not just the. I mean, you brought up at the start of the the conversation, the game telephone, where you know stories change and how people can. Um, communicate information changes and that's a sort of like a mimetic um, idea of how information just flows through the world and how, how we represent it. But um, there's a guy at the Central European University, Professor Streber or something like that, who, um, for- forgiveness if you're listening, Professor <laughs> Stuber, <laughs> whatever your true name is. Uh, he loved our imprisonment episode as well. Now we've <laughs> lost him. Yeah, no, he's trapped. Um, he, um, he, has this idea of cultural attractors, which is that um, uh, there's something so like is it, you can't just by authority make everyone tell the same story over time forever mm. because it's not it's not actually compelling to people to to hear that, and that's something that you see um, you know totalitarian governments struggle with to, mm. in, in retaining you know full support of their population through their myths and narratives. If they're not really based on people's experience, then eventually they corrode and they can do it for they, it'll work for X amount of years. Yeah. but it has a shelf life. Yeah, yeah, and so um, and it, it, so he's got this uh, this idea of cultural attractors is that uh, you know some stories retain their core essence over time despite. Um, you know, language changing around them, and despite um, what was a real doom sound, <laughs> sound emerging from the building, it's the professor. Yeah, it's, it's Straber. <laughs> um, uh, things retain a, a consistency over time um, because there is something so compelling in them, and that doesn't mean that they're a truth, but a, 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 as in an objective uh, scientific truth. But I think it does mean that there's a truth in how they resonate against sort of the collective. Um, biases and 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 proclivities that humans have for certain things so that that can be disastrous in in some spheres but but also um a great way of steering clear from um i think the uh consistently holding on through millennia to the mm. wor- the worst stories here's my take on that is which is what that is which is because the thing i would want to push on on that is mm-hmm. any any scudding through of the idea that um oh yeah well you know there are th- there are for a story to be persistent there has to be some truth to it there really doesn't like Mm. there is there are plenty of incredibly persistent um stories and narratives through the course of human history that that are that are completely that are demonstrably false in the the heart of what has been storified or the value or the or the you know what is seen as the axiom that you get out of it you know um so I'm not saying a truth is in no, like, as, oh, as, as yeah, in a so tree is, yes, is how tree grows. But yeah, more than me, like people like to have like the truth is people want to be comforted by hope against undying odds. Or I I, it is. I think it's a deeper thing than that. I think it's um yeah or or at least in terms of how you can usefully classify. Um, and this is me pretentiously trying to um, pass out like a useful version of how to use what stories have been up to now and mm-hmm. separate them from the garbage. Um, is to me the thing that is. The truth, the thing that is correct and true at the heart of it, and you did touch on it before, is um, certain fundamental shared aspects of human experience. As in, when you get down to it, like there's a lot that's very different about what someone, is, uh, someone like uh, what the professor is going through right now in mm-hmm. his everyday life, and what um, you know, uh, it's, it's what we're going through, or what someone uh, walking through um, their backyard in Bhutan is going through at the moment. But there are also things that are fundamentally the same. Um, and the, 
stories, the conclusions that the stories reach about what's going on have no objective truth to them usually, mm-hmm. but the um, usefulness of interpreting and creating a shared story about those experiences is useful. You know, that's that's the shared the the shared truth is the truth of what humans are going through, and um, so sort of measuring the transformative experience for the audience. Yeah, the and well, measuring the measuring the experience for the audience, and I mean, this is yeah, you know, like to me, it's just really for me, it's really important to kind of go, all right, our interpretations of those experiences, our attempt to make sense of them in a transcendent sense, our, our attempts to transcend them mm. um, and our attempts to uh, just put language frames on them that uh, explain what went on are always going to be flawed models because they're models and all models are flawed. But the thing, like the, the best part of what stories do are just um, – connect like connect us through that um through that shit through the idea of common experience and the worst thing that stories do uh literally disguise our universal experiences as a bunch of different experiences mm-hmm. um can, can you can you put some hard examples on that yeah so yep t- me too so if you think about a story you know so um let's let's think about a story that's really um that i have a lot of beef with, which is like chosen one narratives, which mm-hmm. are pretty um, recognizable across all human cultures yep. as a thing that's, uh, that uh, has evolved in parallel. And, you know, the chosen one narrative, the idea that there's a person who often starts in an underdog um, position in their story world, um, then finds out that they have a destiny, a, a, that it's the story world then has, has always has to have destiny exist and I love it. My tail's wagging just hearing about this. <laughs> and the oh yeah, I love this story. Mm, and um, so destiny exists in the story, which is the idea that um, that there are fates mapped out for people, and this particular person in the story has a good fate. Mm. Um, the they also involve these story worlds. Also, the, any story that involves destiny, by definition, has to involve breaking the concept of destiny a little bit right at the start because the destiny has to be conditional on the on the character doing the human at the start of the story doing some right things in order to achieve their destiny, mm-hmm. which as you, which is an absolute contradiction in terms, but is the way that we because um, you know it's the way that we can engage with it. Um, that person. Uh, has to yeah basically the person in a way it's kind of even more comforting that meta destiny because like yeah. uh, they had to do these things but they did and they were going to all along. <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah and as I you knew there was a hand when you think about us and this is the thing because that idea the idea of there being des- this the idea of there being destiny but conditional destiny that's fundamentally is and isn't destiny that is completely we've internalized that at the global level like people whether people agree with it or not everyone's sort of comfortable with that and you look at it and it is a complete illogical yep. like contradiction there is plays out across all of our social discourses yes in, in a really punishing way for, that's right for dealing with any sort of problem yeah despite not making sense even on the even at the, on the most facile level of analysis mm. um so then going back to the chosen one story you've got the idea that those that the chosen one in question is uh either someone who's going to bring balance to the story world that's in stable disharmony so the you know so there's bad things happening in the world um where where it's not getting consumed in nuclear fire right away there's just sort of you know ongoing badness happening mm-hmm. and then the you know this character at the heart of it is going to make a change on that and we might see that just through their life getting better but often we're going to see it in terms of them being the person who 
the rest of the leads society others. works. Yeah, leads others or, um, or just creates a transformative modeling for others. Um, now, <laughs> to me, that story is pretty toxic in a lot of ways. Like, um, and I say that as someone who like it's, it hooks into me just as much as anyone. Like I was a kid, I was, I was a Luke Skywalker when I was a kid as well, looking up at the two moons. Like I was literally in the desert like him uh, in a more literal comparison, just thinking, you know, I was the epitome of someone who'd be like, oh, there must be something more than what's immediately around me. And um, imagine if I had this, like sh- surely me, the, the person whose experience I'm having must have greatness uh, mapped out for my future like otherwise what the hell is what's going on if I'm not going to be some great and significant person so that resonates with me um, but th- to me that's the distinction there's the there's what's become that's the story that's evolved which is um, kind of shitty in the way that it allows a lot of people to think of themselves it allows everyone to always think of themselves as the underdog and allows people to think uh, that if people have been elevated in society it's because they had merit or because there was some in, there's some hand of fate guiding them. To me, all those things are bad. Um, you know, we'll separately rank the idea of destiny. I'll be looking to rank it low. But um, the thing that's right at the heart of that, which is our shared human experience of feeling that uh, we're, you know, trapped in the place in the in our immediate physical situation and physical body, and that we would like to have some transcendent moment of being out of that, um, and that the and that there are things that are wrong in the world that we can see and see how they might be fixed if people would listen to us and that we all have that idea of um yeah and that we all crave validation and the love of the people around us you know those things at the heart of it are really worth transmitting like we transmitting our shared sense of that to each other is super valuable and i think you know finding uh yeah, the question is, would there be better ways to do that than stories? I feel like stories, it's a bit like when we were ranking, I want to compare it to when we ranked faith and you were like, oh, faith, faith is, we were both like, faith is pretty functional for a lot of good outcomes up to a certain point. And then it gets to the point where you're like, well, sensibly, we could, there are better devices or we could develop, we could easily develop something better. I think stories have been pretty hard to beat. And again, I'm obsessed with stories. Like if we, if we find something better than stories tomorrow, I'm in a bad place because you know my most of my most of my output and contribution to society is in the generation of stories so i would be if i would be obsolete but it's worth thinking about could that be you know could stories be rendered obsolete by some more direct communication of shared experience also chris do you think that i'm missing things in terms of what else is great about stories yeah massively like i i think that you i i agree with everything that you've said at, at, in the way that you're talking about it but i think that um what's missing is that uh, you know, we our species can't function without them. So, like we, the example of the 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 hero's journey mm. um, and the sort of the the savior or the one across time. Even just thinking about that, like, so that that is inher- inherently has problems, but it does. And this is funny because it, it it kind of like leads back to the same sort of faith type of thinking. But you know, okay, we are all compelled by this narrative, but. The way that um, that that narrative changes over time, the things that that hero may do on the on the way is you know it, it communicates uh, certain values and behavioural uh, um, modelling to to shape society. Uh, I'm sorry, I should be more specific. So say Jesus, you know, is good to the poor or whatever, or mm. like. Um, uh, but but even then, you know, Buddha is you know, the path of the Buddha might show that. Um, 
you know, that there's not happiness in in things and that suffering is inevitable and that if you can transcend your wants, then you'll you'll be okay. And you know, maybe so it doesn't have to be about the individual and their journey, um, although it inevitably becomes that for many people, but also the lessons along the way. I, I kind of think that this is just a this is just one subset of um, a full quiver of arrows uh which are what stories do for society which is like the most basic things like you know ha- um how to get somewhere or like uh, you know how to inter- how the, the sort of constitutional guiding for how you relate to other people or how you even then communicate anything at all and i think that if you were to take uh the narrative frameworks that we've sort of laid as a endlessly thick web across everything that we interact with all the time if you were to take that away then we would be like like other animals. So I think of my dog who just sort of like will walk to try and get the door open. We'll try and like cry for the door to open. If it doesn't, they've got no other like recourse because they can't learn that like, oh, if you just jump up and push that thing down, it can open. And it, maybe that's a capacity thing, but, but, but I, th- I feel like there are other, like there's, it's, if I feel like the dog's just constantly going through the world, like yes, no, with all information in front of it. And, um, there's no real big connection of stuff over time, and I feel like without the capacity to to have narratives, you you can't um, you can't have reason, you can't have um, you can't have a, a reverence of of scientific knowledge or even a, a, a route route to pursue it. You can't have reverence per full stop. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. You need you need modeling of that through a story. Most, I mean, you could easily say that you know something like this podcast becomes completely redundant because mm. how do you how do you reach a conception of what an idea is? How do you grasp what an idea is unless you've had a modeled story? Of Absolutely, what, and this of what is what the that nightmare is for scientific communicators because they have you know these they they can see this data of whatever it is that that's been inducted and um it's it's in imperative to communicate it for the survival of our species but mm. because the stories aren't good enough people don't respond it's or because it's because the stories well it's because stories have been too good in other moments yeah um and this thing because yeah because obviously like people like my um like my brother works in communications and he spends a lot of time sort of consulting and trying to educate people about how to use stories for their own benefit mm-hmm. in terms of communicating yeah vital and important messages to the public for instance, and yeah, the problem is, you know, as you say, the first first problem with that climate scientists, for instance, had mm-hmm. is that they didn't have, they weren't storifying the information, they were just trying to present it. And then the second problem they have they have now is now that they've got a little bit, of, some of them have a bit of training and, and that assistance and they're rocking up with their stories ready to go, is that they're showing up to a room that has a hundred other stories in it. Yeah. Or at the very least a few incredibly potent and strong ones for the that are already coli- that have colonized the minds of the people that they're in the room with. Um, stories that have created um, a sense of a sense of what the story world is and what's going on in it that that doesn't that doesn't jibe with the idea of what with the climate science story or just stories that have created um, in group out outgroup boundaries that are strong, whereas that where you know where the markers of certain types of stories aren't going to, like the thing that always occurs to me is, um, and this you know I'll be the I'll be the eighth eight millionth person in the world to make this hot take, but you know the idea that um, having conservative politics should jibe with 
um, the idea of be, having a, a less engaged concept, a less less engagement with environmentalism makes no sense on the face of it, or it doesn't make intuitive sense because, you know, literally you have a movement over here called conservatism and over here you have a movement called conservationism. Yeah. Like, you you know, the idea of the idea of what conservatism is at its heart, which is, you know, let's, let's um, go softly, softly here and have change happen over a, over a more gradual period and retain the traditions of what, what has gone before you think the idea of just stewarding the environment not making huge radical changes to the environment um recklessly should be a really should be an easy sell right like it should fold into that narrative soup and, and it, it should be said it does in some societies yes you know, it's, it's just starkly our own and the u.s and, and a few others that that, that that it really doesn't because there are other competing more material um, flipping back to um, flipping back to talking about marriage equality beforehand, like mm-hmm. you know, to me, a thing that I am a thing that I'm surprised I don't see more often is the is that neat and easy little rhetorical trick that the UK Prime Minister did during their marriage equality transition, which was just to present it as the sensible conservative position. Yeah, just be like, you know, we we. Um, want people to be investing in the institution of marriage exactly and you know and if, if and we want as many people of that as, as, as can to do that and so blah blah blah. and so so to me you know that stuff uh happens if that stuff doesn't happen it happens a because people aren't engaged with story form uh as a thing that they can use or they're not or they don't trust in it or b there are other there are other stories that have got that are, have a malignant malignant level of growth um, that are in contradiction with those stories, or blocking those. You know, just taking up too much uh, space in people's minds for them to be um, open to other stories, or just yeah, just closing down their openness to certain to the shape of certain type of stories. I, I still think this is too like in the climate example. Um, where you've got somebody turning up with a, uh, the climate science story and 100 people with their own stories and you know d- d- not being able to find an optimal, optimal outcome immediately. I still feel like that's too narrow a slice of the function of narrative in society over time. And I do think that... Um, so, so say, for I think the truth is a ready reckoner um, and, uh, you know, so currently in Australia we've got these tremendous bushfires burning across the continent. We've got a heat front coming across we're gonna have three days in a row of record temperature in the city that we live in mm. um and records are being broken everywhere it's, it's plus 40 degrees celsius across most of the continent um and the narrative that the the prime minister the current prime minister holds which is some sort of evangelical like you know these things don't matter it's it's his great will and whatever over time, you know, these aren't the things to worry about. We should worry about other. We're things. we're inferring that from what we know about his religious faith. It's also entirely possible that he has, you know, uh, entirely different stories that are driving him that might be completely cynical. True, true, might true. Be, might be Even more cyn- cynical. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 whatever version of it. It's something that I wouldn't be loving. Yeah, r- regardless, if if you just if you read backwards from the the behavior to yes. to what the where values and behavior are the same thing, yes. we can see that Scott Morrison isn't concerned. Um, about this temperature and bushfires in the way that many other people in society are. And I think that Evidently. Like, I think that the way that people pick up the story of like, oh, hang on a second, this this drought, this fires, this temperature, this is this is a problem. This is this is not normal and we're getting information. Like I feel like that, you know, that's 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 emerging in the consciousness more and more in a way that over time uh, renders uh, other positions uh, like to be the redundant harmful trash that they may that they may be and of mm. course of course if that's not the case then 
conversely, the stories will swing the other way. But I think that there is a truth that is a reckoner there. And if you were to compare us to, say, um, uh, the rats, the rats of Easter Island. So, so once the humans, cut, there's a theory I read that, that once the humans cut down all the trees and didn't have anything left, they they were just rats and they had cannibalism and rats, and then you know just rats. Yep. <laughs> and then eventually the rats had nothing to eat, so there's nothing left. Mm. Um, that's that was just just a theory that I read, but just take to take it as a theory that, that, that you know there's a bunch of rats on an island. They can't. Those rats are incapable of doing the planning for their island. To address it, and we currently look like you know aphids eating the bud and the population growing and collapsing, but we are not the same as that. And at some point, the truth uh, is something that we are able to transmute a- across each other at a more complex level than other species who may just explode and collapse. Hopefully, like it, it of course, it may be the case that we don't, but uh, I definitely think that we're certainly better equipped than um, any other species that explodes and, and collapses in that way because uh, we are able to. You know, at the moment we have a good a good half of our whole entire society saying this is this is madness. We need to um, have some sort of ongoing uh, systemic engagement with how we trade in our natural world, and other things are incapable of doing that. And of course, it, it is imperfect, but it is something that we're able to do. And because of the evolution of stories and narrative in how we communicate information, we, we can do that. Is it, is it optimal compared to you know an AI system that's able to immediately see fields of information and and, and navigate optimal systems. Uh, of course not, but um, you know that's that's not a that's not a, a realistic proposition at the moment to, mm. to replace our consciousness with. Three things. So the first, I think the animal um, comparisons are useful because yeah, because animals can learn. Like we know that. Like mm. you know, uh, some animals can even learn to open doors. I'm sure there <laughs> sure there are plenty animal fans at at home like yelling at us about the idea of you know downgrading a, a sense that we might be downgrading what animals can do here's, here's what I'll say I know that people are keen to anthropomorphize animals um, and yes of course they think and feel in their own fascinating and incredible way which is at least as valid as human consciousness but it's not the same guys it's clearly not the same and our story our, our use of stories isn't better uh, but it is optimized for certain outcomes like which you know which we we clearly do certain things better than animals what well, we do certain things that animals don't do at all and like chris is saying some of them like one of that is just one of them is storifying things and narrativizing things so that we can have a large abstracted cloud of accessible um reality like it, which is it's a constructed reality but it's a group reality that's constructed as a group that uh we can have access to at the mass scale that all of us, you know, there is a whether even with even with the limitations of our own filtered perceptions, there is this shared reality that we can access. Without and which, we couldn't collectivize our compu- the computational power of our brains that's and, it. and labors to achieve outcomes as a group, as a group organism, which we are. And again, like there is, you know, it brings back to the idea, you know, the idea. I mean, we'll uh, we'll be ranking some form of individualism at some point, and I mean, we'll be talking more then about the idea of. Um, uh, or, or individual individualism versus collectivism. We'll be talking about the the idea of how much we are a group organism. Um, spoiler warning: we are a group organism mm. in terms of anything we do that has any um, efficacy. The um, second point, like the talking about things like the you know the current um, you know uh, approach to by certain people in positions of power to things like our current environmental crises. Um, it reminds me, um, I was having dinner with my partner and my dad and my stepmom a couple of months ago and was talking about, uh, made an offhand 
comment. I eat chocolate a lot, like most, a couple of, not every day, a couple of times a day. And I was making a joke. I made a passing joke about how much chocolate I eat. And I made the passing joke about um, chocolate most being one of the foods that will most likely lose first in a lot of modeling of um, environmental collapse. And uh, my dad, you know, just paused and did a little laugh and was just kind of, you know, um, his, his thing was uh, that he said was, oh, I'm sure they'll sort something out which I gave me the impression we haven't had deep conversations about uh, environmental uh, issues, but my sense is that that's where his thoughts around this stuff mostly start and finish and um, happy, happy to be corrected dad. But for me, and that reminded me, I'm like, Oh, well there's a story that, um, that uh, addresses that idea and it's from Christianity or it's been transmitted through Christianity. Like a lot of Christian myths, who knows where it actually began, but um, the story of the, of the, person who's um, sitting on top of their house in during a flood in the version I heard. And, you know, a rowboat comes past with someone in it saying, let me help you. He's like, no, no, God will provide for me and come and save me. I have to wait for God. And then like a helicopter comes and goes, can I get you? And uh, God, God goes, and, and the guy goes, no, I have, God will save me. Don't worry. I'm a good, good uh, and faithful servant in my Lord. So he'll save me. Um, so on and so on. And eventually he dies in the flood and uh, in the afterlife meets God and he's like, God, what gives? Um, I thought you were going to save me. And God is like, I sent the rowboat, I sent the helicopter, et cetera, right. et cetera. And this is, you know, my, my sense of that is like, oh, someone will work something out. It's like, well, it's a lot of it's been worked out. Like there are literally, there are engineers sitting around with solutions at least to ameliorate things, if not to yeah. solve them. But, you know, there is massive amelioration of our current circumstances is available right now. Um, and there are and there are forces, there are narrative forces that are acting as a blockage on just doing it. Um, that said, let let me uh, put all my cards out on the table in a way that might be useful for future episodes. Like the funny thing is, like I like I when we have these discussions so far, I felt like I've been in the spirit of modeling the pros and cons of different ideas um, and ranking them as if we're going to form this new society. The truth of me as a person is, um, I'm someone who delights in the um pro like the problematic and uh strange and awful and or just weird um artifacts of human existence and human communication and human actions so part of the reason it's so easy for me to be obsessed with stories is because all of the stuff that is buck wild about them all of the all of the weird detritus that builds up in our attempt to communicate things to each other and all of the outcomes for them awful and transcendent um, I love all of it to some extent or another. Um, the, you know, like it's really, it's, it's hectic for me to be feeling how much, um, you know, our current like smoke choke skies the last couple of weeks has been, you know, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential emotions in it. Um, if I was just, this is, this is my defensive stories. If I was just, um, if I was living a story-free life where my only reaction to the to the smoke was to kind of be like, oh, here's what's evidently happening happening right now and what it might mean for me immediately, um, I'd probably be in a really bad state. And I see of the people I see around me who are most at that end are having a really bad time um, and I feel guilty for not having a bad, as bad a time at them at the moment and it's because I've got like all this stuff in my head <laughs> um, as, and there's almost a transcendent aspect to the idea that, oh, you know, like it's, there's a bit of an apocalypse vibe in the sky, man. I've, I've that I'm relating that to every apocalypse narrative I've ever read. A lot of which I, you know, like have this dramatic, like 
uh, sense of, at the very least, apocalypse narrative have a sense of something acute happening. And the weird thing about um, the reality of environmental collapse is it's often just invisibly gradual in a way that doesn't allow for that. So something like the sky suddenly being choked with smoke Mm -hmm. is like... I feel bad, but it, there's this sudden sense of like, oh, well, something's happening, you yeah. know? And, and we can uh, finally see. see that's see it. it. That's it. And also, and uh, oh, there's a little, I mean, there's a bit, it's kind of nihilistic, but there's a bit of me that's like gleefully like, well, fuck, like if, if this is happening, then let's just, if it's, if it's beginning, let's just begin already. Also, there's yeah. also the other thing, the thing that allows me to do that. And I mean, it'll break down as soon as the fire's actually at my door and then I'll be screaming and crying and panicked. But in the meantime, while I have all this privilege of um, space and time, the other thing that stories provide me is a sense of not being trapped in the moment that I'm living in or the place that I'm living in. This to me is why stories are central to my life is that I need to, I, it's, it's an elevated and livable version of the universe for me if I can be connected to the full spread of, uh, of time and space and the you know and the imagination of of everything that has and has and will exist and everything that won't um that gives me a sense of yeah not that is for someone like me at least if i just if i didn't have that then i would be very depressed and anxious and it's not just something like you i mean I was, I was thinking that even your you know your framework of having this concept of the future in which you could see like what it would be like for you you know if the fires are the, like you just don't have the you're just so powerless without the capacity to to create those sorts of narratives like i i think this for me ranking this question comes down to if you could um surgically remove the parts of your brain that engaged with narrative and communicating information um in hooky ways would you would you would you do it i feel like personally like it's 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 an absolute no and i feel of course it's the same for you and then would you but then it's an absolute. It's an absolute no for me. And then how then much? Across how much in society? Yeah. Like, how much? It's an absolute no for me. How much of that is because of the story yeah, that I tell myself about course. what stories are? You know. Yeah. Um. The yeah. What we really need to do is get some reptiles ranking <laughs> ranking yeah, exactly. this one for us. Yeah. Repti- re- yeah. Reptile ideas would be a hot podcast concept. The um. I want to know. I want to know what their organizing principles are. The big, yeah. And like I said, like. I said I delight in so much of what stories are, even if you think about, yeah, just just how many of our, just how many narratives, like all of our narrative, all of our moral narratives and behavior narratives have these figures that were just constructed to transmit them. You know, uh, Jesus or Han Solo or um, uh, Eliza Doolittle, um, or some you know uh, some more culturally diverse uh, examples. The Akira, the, um, they all have um, the potential, you know, all of them at some point were constructed for two reasons. One is to be um, a working thesis of an idea that is trying to be storified, like usually by being like, by having someone start as the opposite, as the antithesis of, of a good idea, and then they come to being the good idea. Um, Jesus, like Jesus is a little bit different in some ways, but he, even Jesus, like who, who sort of, they, you know, it's, it has become this static idea of like, oh, he was pretty great from the start. Still, the, we, there needs to be the moments of him being uh, tempted or frustrated or working, th- you know, working through things uh, over the course of some kind of story rather than just being perfect from the off. The so you know the they give us these they create these human these 
shapes of a human being to uh, transmit the idea. Um, and then the weird artifacts of how they've done that end up colonizing our mind equally to the original idea that was trying to be transmitted. So, you know, as, so along with the idea of, um, so along with the idea of Jesus just being someone who is, uh, who is fighting for the idea of the oppressed and the marginalized and saying that you shouldn't kill people and that you should embrace people with love. Also just, yeah, people get spend just as many, uh, minutes and uh, moments arguing about yeah but the thing is like are we, the thing where people drank his body and ate his uh, drank his blood and ate his body is that what does that mean and what is the thing and it's like well it was just a way it was just a way to hook you into the central idea um but well, now i feel like it's you know, it it's, gets literalized i feel like you know even the the weight of those stories is kind of getting sucked into the the, the mega narratives and forgetting that like you know Oh, I went to the shops. Avocados are a dollar. Is a mm. is a story. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, there. You know, don't don't go there actually because it's it's on fire and um, there's a jaguar there that's a- attacking everybody. Mm. <laughs> you know, like those those are stories I wouldn't want to do without. Yes, there's arguably the you know you could in some ways you could argue that it's a little bit like what yeah stories are like sentience or self awareness itself. It was it, it seems like just mm. the problem is. You don't exist as a, a me without a story. Yeah, you. They, it's like they, you know, you could argue that they were created to fill some very immediate practical needs, but they're just such an overpowered solution to doing right, that. Right. So this is the thing. Like as you say, you know, the probably the 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 immediate idea is for you to know how much avocados cost or to not get hit by the jaguar. Mm. But once the device that's been created is um, narrative, is story. Um, it does. It's. It can then be used for so many other things, or or such a such a blowed out. You know, it's what's created this vast human society. Is is this? It's, it's a, a bit. Su- it's, it's a superpower. It's a superpower. Yeah. It's, it scales up, and as as we know from any uh, superhero stories, superpowers are equally a curse. Yeah, and a responsibility. But I think of like you know there are concomitant positive examples like um, you know we should stop killing each other. Which, which is something we're increasingly doing, like mm. relative to any other time in history, or we should, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, things like, oh, we need to stop putting CFCs into the, the ozone because it's chewing through it. And then we did that, like, yeah. you know, and or lead petrol into the atmosphere. And I think like over time, you just can't achieve the, like, I mean, sorry, obviously over time, we can't achieve these things without stories. Um, perhaps other species don't never go down that path. But as the reality is, we do have them and... And I think that they are, the, as the defining characteristic of our society, I'm biased towards saying that they're good. Let's face it, we've been using, we've we've been storifying all of our attempts to explain what yeah. we're doing as we're doing it. Although in some pretty, mostly in, uh, it's in a sort of crude subset of story, which is just analogy. And man, I want to rank analogies at one point, because guess what? They suck and they're garbage. You can definitely not get away without analogy, and we should. But stories, as a separate thing, um, are the... Yeah, there's, there, there, as you say, the, the transmission thing, even if, if if an AI ever happens, we're going to build it, so it's probably still going to use a similar yeah. process. Also, um, I would want a good AI to have adaptive um, modes of communication, not just run script, this is the right thing to do, run script, this is the right, like, yeah. like the run script should be, you know, let's take in information and communicate it as it changes based on what we receive. Which, which I think, story is a, a flawed, but a, um, you know, yeah. 
Extraordinarily powerful mechanism for all mo- Yeah, all models are f- flawed. Some models are useful, as I heard in a story one time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Die Hard 2. Um, really? No. Uh, let's look at let's look at where we're let's look at the list. So, um, it feels this one more than anyone we've done so far feels like really it's it's a you know I'm I'm feeling it as just a real mix of good and bad. Um, personally, um, we've done uh, eleven things so far. So let's go from the bottom. So at the moment we've got faith ranked dead last. Um, genius uh, above that. We've got jobs. Um, we've got mail. Harnessing electricity above that. Lunch above that around the middle of the list, holding strong. Body modification. Geoengineering. Imprisonment. Authority. And generosity is first. Any instant impressions, Chris? Yeah. Uh, for me, I think it has to be first because the other things... Like to, to imagine living in societies that had those other frameworks, if you don't have ways of, like, I, I feel like in the same way as, like, it's okay, it has all its flaws, but I think um, it's it's the transmutative um, force that that changes that can change how individuals conceive of themselves, the society, and how the society conceives of itself to adapt to different realities as they emerge. And I feel like what was number two. Generosity. Well, generosity and authority are are currently one and two. Yep. Yeah, I feel like, you know, to be in a world of authority, um, to to give something, to confer legitimacy to any authority requires a a story. I just feel Mm. like it's such a, it's like, yes, good good and bad, absolutely. The highest heights and the lowest lows. It's, it's, but it's a blood that you can't do without, I think, in navigating, um, a human life. Getting meta for a second. I mean, the thing that we keep talking about is the idea of the relative rankings on the list affecting each other and mm-hmm. affecting what our conception of each thing is. This is maybe the strongest example of that, where we've got the idea of story. If you're ranking story close to the top as a um, as the transmitting device for ideas that can be toxic or bad, but you're doing it on a list of ideas that you're ranking from best to worst. If you're, and then you were to say, all right, we're just going to take the top 100 ideas and that's all that's permissible in stories, which is a weird uh, thing. It's a weird thing that we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, then, yeah, then like a lot of these things, you're potentially elevating the concept of what stories can be or censoring it in a horrific way, which, is, which will be fun to think about. Now, one story, this, it's, good to, it's good actually to have a story on the list so early, I think, because it's going to frame our sense of... Um, the theoretical enterprise of what you could do with a list. I do. I think you're right that we put it at the top, and I love the idea that you know. It's partly just. I'm glad. I really. Did, I didn't want to have to argue because I was like, oh, what if Nick will know more about this? Than nah, it feels what what considered conception. What feels really sat- satisfying for me is to have spent however many minutes it's been arguing why story is garbage, mm-hmm. and then still getting back to the idea of like, and and then concluding it's like, oh yeah, it's got to come at the top so far, um, and yeah, I. I like we was, so off mic the other day, guys. We were having an interesting chat about um, what the you know since we've hit some ideas that have where we, the ranking has come down to, and this is the same. Oh well, really, that's that smaller that idea is kind of a smaller subset of a thing, whereas this is a large macro idea of a thing. So it has to rank above, and the idea of like is that going to mean that this list is going to end up being sort of 
um, a bit bolder. Like long-term, are you just going to get this sort of centrally so sensible kind of list of things? Is it going to be like every every um, f- best films of the 70s uh, debate, was, you know, like list where a bunch of journalists sit around and spend um, – months working out that the godfather is the best film of the 70s you know where you end up at the default answer i'm really interested my hope is not obviously um and i do think yeah it'll be interesting to see what if we can if if there's some curveball rankings once we have more volume of things on the list but yeah it's interesting about how much just our ideas what do you got what do you think listeners our ideas fundamentally superior just because they encompass more or not My instinct is that the closer an idea maps to the reality of how it's used is what what will um, see it sail high. Man, I can't wait to see the flurry of response <laughs> we get from listeners to those two. Vases. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's it. I love it. Um, story coming in at the new number one. Great. Try and beat it. Make Tra- a submission. Top shooters. Top shooters. Snacks. That's my submission. 